I'm Lekalia, and you're listening to the Never Surrender podcast by the Squinters. Get out of sight, half-back flank. Flying there, Alia. Holy moly, what a great grab from left. Ladies and gentlemen, members of the Orange Army with an insatiable thirst for the Orange glory and all things pertaining to the mighty GWS Giants, I am Sparrow, your host today of Never Surrendered by the Squinters. Today we have two very special treats. Firstly, a song for Jesse Hogan and his bag of nine goals, which Ragnar Lothbrok has put together. We'll play that at the end of the uh, pod. But secondly, and this is a very, very, very special treat, we have a special guest, which we're most grateful for. And big thanks to Alison from the Giants for making this happen. We really appreciate it, Alison. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us this evening is a remarkable individual whose journey from war-torn South Sudan to playing footy on Elizabeth Oval in Northern Adelaide, and then on to a debut at the SCG, and in doing so, becoming an AFL player for the Mighty Giants has been a tale of dedication and overcoming adversity along the way and is quite an inspirational story for not only us fans of the Giants, but for all aspiring athletes. Today, we have the privilege of chatting over Zoom with, of course, Lekalir. For anyone that's read or watched any of the videos or articles documenting Lek's journey, you'll appreciate how he's not only had to overcome adversity and demonstrate the uh, power of resilience, but also value the um, remarkable natural ability he brings to our squad. I mean, his, his leap and his intercepting ability is just really a sight to behold. But also his, his own unique story, which he brings, which is now sewn into the fabric of our of our young, but, um, but uh, yeah, rich history at the club. So tonight I have Ragnar Lothbrok joining me, of course. Welcome, Ragnar. Oh, hey, hey. I'm very excited about this. Uh, I've been waiting a long time. Uh, to get another player on and really excited to have Lek, uh, Lek on board. Um, I've listened to a few of his interviews and he speaks very well. So, uh, yeah, can't wait for this. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, the big man himself. Lek, thanks for jumping on a call with us, mate. No, all good. All good. Thank you for having me. No, it's um, it's a privilege. It's our privilege. But, mate, yeah, we just we thought we'd, uh, yeah, just we've got a, a couple of questions for you and thought we'd um, just try and, you know, for the community of fans that listen in, get to know you a bit a bit better. And um, yeah, it's a remarkable story you've obviously got. So your journey basically starts back at South Sudan when you were what? How old were you when you first when you left with your your mum and your sister? Yeah, so originally um I was actually born in Kenya, so I was originally in Kenya. born in Kenya. Yep. Yeah, and then moved to South Sudan pretty early on, and um spent a lot of my early years in South Sudan growing up. You know, for about you know four years or so and then I think it was when I was about four or five that's when we started the transition to potentially moving over to Australia yep and so then yeah well I think it was when I officially turned five that's when we got all our documents and stuff like that um, approved to come over here to Australia and yeah so then in 2006 we came over to Australia yeah well, and did you did you have family did you have family here already or 
Yeah, yeah. So I was pretty blessed to obviously have um, my auntie and some uncles who already um, had lived in Australia, uh, in yeah. South Australia to be more specific. Um, so they already lived there. And so when we came to Australia and landed, um, you know, I already had them kind of already situated. Um, so they kind of sorted mum out and helped me out and um, helped us with all the nitty gritty stuff of uh, weaving across the world, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I can imagine the challenge for your mum and, um, yeah, it just mu- must have been a huge, mm-hmm. huge challenge just to set up somewhere totally foreign and new and new language and culture and, and all of that. Yeah, 100%. And you, you, 100%. I, I, I heard somewhere or read somewhere that it was your uncles that were into footy and, and the crows and that sort of mm-hmm. um, sparked a bit of interest for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I first got to Australia, I used to play a lot of soccer at school yeah. and uncles used to always watch footy on the television um, every Friday night, every Saturday night. And they would always get me to sit with them and watch it. And obviously coming from a completely different country, not really knowing too much about the sport. Um, it was a bit confusing and I didn't quite understand <laughs> it, but they helped me out quite a bit. And they would explain a lot of things um, that had to do with the sport, whether it was which team was which um, yeah. the umpire's job was, um, why the ball was shaped all strangely, <laughs> not circular, um, you know, how points worked and stuff of that nature. So, yeah, yeah you know, they definitely got me into it. And um, they basically allowed me to grow into the sport and really initially fall in love with the sport, which is something I credit them to um, to this day. How old would you have been when you first played your first game of AFL? Um, was I was actually pretty... Yeah, I would have been, I think, I reckon I would have been 12 or 13. So, yeah, I obviously, uh, I started um, enjoying footy in terms of just understanding the game from a very young age, from about seven, eight. Yeah. But I didn't actually pursue it until I was about 12, 13. So, yeah, there was quite a big gap. But I remember, you know, when I was younger, I used to play footy all the time at school. So, we'd be playing marks up or, you know, we'd be doing, you know, dribble kicks and whatnot or, and stuff of that nature, just kicking yeah. the footy around and some lunch but yeah so it wasn't until I was about 12 or 13 that one of my schoolmates um, came up to me and said hey look we'd love for you to come play out at Salisbury um, the local football club down there because they had they didn't have numbers at the time so you know and he just more so said look I'll I'll take you to training sessions I'll take you to the games just just show up and um, yeah just give it a crack and yeah, did that and haven't looked back since. So yeah, no, know the area well. Hey, uh, hey, Leek. Um, yeah, I'm from uh, I'm from South Australia as well. So yeah. I understand Salisbury is a, a a pretty could be quite a rough part of the yeah. rough part of the city, and uh, must have been quite an initiation starting starting your footing footy career out there. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit strange because like obviously sometimes um like Salisbury definitely has a reputation for sure. Um, you know, and I remember as a 13 year old kid, you know, sometimes I'd have to catch a trainer training and it was a bit, it was a bit scary at times, you know, um, being a 13 year old kid who have to catch a trainer training at night and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those situations where um, I had some, some good people around me and, um, they were able to, you know, situate me uh, in a place where I felt comfortable and, uh, started my footy there and enjoyed it very much so. Um, and yeah, it was, I think, yeah, the start of something, um, amazing. So, so which team was that? That was, that was Salisbury, was it? Yeah. Salisbury Magpies. Yeah. The Magpies. I've heard about the Magpies. Yeah. And then you, um, you played for the Bulldogs Central Districts. Yeah. Yeah. So originally 
So I played, I think it was about three years at Salisbury, um, or two to, two to three years at Salisbury. And then after that, um, a lot of my friends and um, cousins who played with me at Salisbury, they moved up to deeper north to go play for Angerville, the Angerville yep. Owls. Yep. Who are now obviously in the uh, country league in SA. And so I moved with them. And then from there, I remember um, I had a lot of mates who were in that team who played for um, the Central District Football Club. Yep. And they were playing in their um, underage development squads and whatnot. And so from there on, um, I slowly started to get a little bit connected. And then um, I remember it was one preseason in under 16s. I just more so went out there to go see how well I could do in comparison to all the other kids. Um, I, yeah. I didn't get invited or anything, so I was <laughs> getting bricks. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I was dangling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was dangling, shitting bricks. Um, I was shitting bricks. And so, like, I remember I went out there and had no idea what was going on, but I just thought to myself, well, let me give it a crack, see how I go. And I remember making the team, and it was, like, one of the best feelings ever for the under-16s, under-age squad. Yeah. And so playing, um, I think, at the time, we played six or so games yep. um, for the season. Uh, played six games. Um, had a you know absolute ball. It was it was amazing. I mean, amazing experience getting to go and play against Norwood and yeah. the likes of Sterling and you know those teams. And it was obviously a high high level at the time. So it was a good challenge for myself. And I think it was one of those years where I realized that football was something that I wanted to really pursue. Yeah. Um, and something I wanted to challenge myself in terms of getting better and really. Um, making it um, a future for myself. Is that sort of when you started having a dream of being an AFL footballer or was that further down the track or are you quite an aspirational kid? Yeah, where did that sort of spark come from? Yeah, well, um, when I started, when I first got introduced to footy, at the, you know, when I first came to Australia um, by my uncles, you know, I think the fact that they loved footy so much made me kind of, you know, want to pursue it, but it wasn't something that I overly thought too much about, you know, especially when you're a little kid, um, yeah. you've come to a new country and there's so many different possibilities, you know, there's so many things you can do. You can play soccer, you can play basketball. Um, you know, I didn't really station myself in one specific path. I'm also just was a free flowing type of kid who played, you know, various sports and yeah. wasn't until when I was, you know, playing under 16s that I realized that I really loved footy and, it was something that was very much so acquainted to the style, you know, my build and um, mm. just the way that I liked to play sport. And I remember during that time also I played a little bit of basketball, but, you know, and soccer, but mm. football and basketball were the more, you know, exhilarating sports that I wanted to pursue because of the high athleticism, you know, yeah. the running, um, the marking, the jumping, all that sort of stuff um, was what intrigued me the most. So, yeah. yeah, I started to really become infatuated with becoming an AFL player and, yeah. That just went. That's awesome. I actually had a yeah. I was curious about your um basketball because yeah, I can see you being a pretty naturally you know a good basketballer. And so you so you did play. And did you did you ever think seriously about going down that road? Or once you'd made that decision at sixteen to sort of try out for the Bulldogs, and and once you had success there, was it more focused on the uh, on the Aussie rules side of things, or were you, were you playing basketball at the same time? Yeah, so I was playing basketball at the same time when I was sixteen. Yep. Um, but it wasn't something that, you know, I overly pushed to go to the next level. It was something yep. more so that I would do, you know, in the off seasons. Um, because yep. I we used to have tournaments that would, you know, take us to Melbourne, take us to, you know, Queensland and where we'd play against, you know, other teams in the, in those states. And I would do that. And, but I knew personally that football was what I found most enjoyable. And a lot of my teammates and, you know, a lot of the people who I connected with 
played football. So there was that aspect of yeah. things as well. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed basketball and, you know, but I wasn't as, I didn't really push it and think too much of it in comparison to other AFL players in the league who obviously took basketball quite seriously and were almost yeah. at the, the very, you know, end of the hill where they had to pick and decide. Um, yeah. That was in my case, which is more so, you know, basketball was something that I enjoyed doing. Um, on the side of footy, but evidently, you know, footy was always going to be something that I pursued over basketball. So. Would you say you're the best basketballer at the Giants? A hundred percent. I think um, <laughs> it'll be a lot. Of, I reckon there's a lot of boys that there's a lot of there's a lot of boys that would uh, you know find that you know a bit of a contest. But I, I personally think I'm the best. I personally think I'm, you, know, you got Tom Green. I reckon you got Tom Green, who's pretty good. Um, yeah. He's probably the only one maybe give me a run for my money. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really respect anybody else in, in terms of when it comes to basketball. So. Love it. Do you have some good one-on-one jewels out there? Well, we, we actually like we don't really have too many one-on-ones. We typically play two-on-twos yeah. um, in the cage at the club, uh, but we haven't done that too often because obviously during the season you tend yeah. to kind of be a bit more reserved um, when it comes to expanding your energy. Um, but yeah, now nah, hopefully in the off season we get to do a couple of runs and I can really show the boys what I'm capable. <laughs> funny yeah. story on that. I, I, if I can share a funny story, so early in the, yeah, go um, for it. Earlier in the season, we, some of the boys um, made a a team like a starting lineup for the Giants. If we had a starting lineup for a basketball club, and I remember I got left out of the team, oh. and I was that salty about it. I was I was pretty filthy because. You know, I couldn't believe I had blokes like Maddie Flynn put ahead of me um, at the center. You know, I was pretty big <laughs> that. So hopefully, in the off season, they um we get some runs on, and I can show them why I think I'm the best. Yeah, mate, you got my vote. You got my vote. <laughs> hey, uh, if you speaking of the two on two theme, if you could pick one one player to partner with from anywhere, from NBA, any anywhere in the world, who who would be your partner in in a two on two? Um. I reckon I'll definitely pick LeBron James, but it's very dependent on um, whether it's a prime LeBron James or the LeBron James of date. I'll definitely pick him, though, because I feel like he's the type of bloke that would pass to me. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about all the other NBA players, but he'd definitely pass to me, so I'd pick him. Yeah, good answer. Yeah, good choice. Actually, one of the other guys that um, does the podcast with us, he had a question, which was, um, uh, you know, the World Cup starting... I think this weekend maybe, and he was just curious. Do, do you do you follow the like if you if you follow the teams? Are you interested in the South Sudanese team, or you'd be following the Aussie team, or like what's you have any interest in the in the South Sudanese players and team? Yeah, yeah, some of them I know of um, quite well because obviously the South Sudanese community, especially when it comes to sport, um, is quite united, and so you tend to hear um, a lot about. You know, blokes, especially when they're in either it's the NBL or yep. you know they're pursuing basketball at a high level, um, or even soccer or football. Um, so you tend to hear um, quite a bit about guys, and so yeah, I tend to follow up uh, quite a bit and have a keen interest um, mm. in the South Sudanese team, and um, I like to track how they're going and um, how some of those players are doing. Um, yeah, because there's quite a few Aussies, quite a few Aussie um, South Sudanese boys in that team isn't there yeah yeah there's quite a few well a large portion um of that team is built um on a lot of south Sudanese aussies who yeah. obviously grew up playing basketball in south in, a, in australia but um due to their nationality um they obviously got to choose 
um, whether or not they wanted to play for South Sudan or Australia. So yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So in your in your um in your draft year, you endured a pretty bad ankle and maybe broken leg, and that yeah. sort of set you back for what a couple of years almost, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So when I was in my draft year in 2019, yeah, I suffered a broken leg, um, which was quite um horrific. Um, one of the biggest injuries I've had, uh, and it was something that definitely set me back quite a bit. And I remember I had to get surgery and it was, you know, a six month um, injury that um, put me out for a while before I was able to run. And then it ended up becoming becoming quite extensive due to complications with the surgery, stuff of that nature. And yeah, um, yeah I missed a large chunk of footy. And even when I was able to come back, I, I think it was that 2020 season, um, COVID was up and about and mm. a lot going on. So there was really no continuity in terms of footy and playing games consistently. So I remember I played a couple of games. I didn't really have a good preseason. And I just, I remember I got a couple of injuries during that year. So I only managed to play about, um, what was it? I played five games my draft year, got injured uh, in 2020. Played, I think it was maybe like another four games, got injured again. Um, and then it wasn't until the back end of 2020 that I started to actually get healthy and um, get fit. And then I remember I had a really good solid preseason at the end of 2020 leading into 2021. Mm. And from there on, um, everything just kind of um, bolstered and, um, yeah, had a, had a really good season. In 2021. So 2021, you're how old are you that year? Uh, I was 19, 19. turning 20. Yeah, um, and so yeah, it was one of those years where I think everything kind of just fell into place really well. And I remember I hadn't played footy obviously in two years, but I think uh, I had Thomas coach that year uh, at the Central District Football Club, and he came to me and he wanted me to play footy obviously. And one of his decisions was to put me as a defender. Yeah, and because especially during my junior junior years, I was playing as a rock forward sometimes as a wing, mm. um, you know, his vision for me was to play as a defender. So, you know, he came up to me, asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, look, I just want to play footy. So I'll play wherever you want me to be. Yeah. So good attitude. Yeah he, yeah. he put me there and yeah, I think everything just clicked and yeah, I was blessed to have the season that I had. Yeah. That's amazing. Big switch. Big. Yeah. So, so then, uh, so then you come, come the end of the year and clubs are sniffing around and did you have quite a bit of interest before the, draft combine or was most of the interest sort of after after the combine where you actually performed outstandingly um i did have quite a bit of interest for the combine um which was really positive but then i think after the combine i, I kind of really put my foot down and stamped my case a little bit more which was yeah which was which was really good so yeah but essentially yeah did you did you have a did you have an inkling that the giants would take you or what was your gut feel going um, into the draft yeah, I had I had a big inkling. Um, I was pretty confident that the Giants were going to be really keen on me um, and take me in the draft because they were one of the main teams that I had spoken to on quite a consistent basis. Yeah, and I remember I talked to them. I think it was about three or four times. So that's um, is that Emma and Adrian or who you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was Emma and Adrian. And even uh, before that, I had actually met them. The year I got injured. Uh, in my draft year, I actually met Adrian at the South Australian State State Team camps. Yeah. Um, so I met him, and we had obviously become connected through then. And then I think 
he kept an eye on me uh, for a little bit longer after that when he found out that I got injured. And I think that 2021 season was when, uh, yeah, I, I started talking to him again and, um, yeah, things uh, kicked off, which was really good. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, yeah, obviously at the Combine, you broke the uh, vertical leap um, record by four centimetres, posting 107 centimetres. So that means you can scissor kick Stormy Daniels or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably not going to be happy about that. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. That's an impressive yeah. leap. Impressive leap. And did you did you sort of know you would set that record going into it? Um, I was I was confident that I was going to do really well in the jumping stuff, in the jumping tests and whatnot. But mm. I didn't really think too much about whether or not I was going to beat it. But I just more so than anything wanted to go and show and demonstrate my strongest asset, which was obviously my leap. And yeah. so um, going into it, I knew. Um, at that time frame, I wasn't very fit in terms of running. Yeah. Um, I remember my 2K. My 2K wasn't was nothing impressive. I, it was, I think it was like close to seven minutes. So it wasn't anything too impressive. But yeah. I knew jumping ability um, and some of my agility stuff were going to be the areas of um, my testing that were going to shine. And yeah, that ended up being the result, which was really good. Yes. And um, and then um, moving into sort of getting getting up to Sydney and and starting starting you know training with the Giants. Did you? How was the transition for you? Like, was it a, a shock to the system? The the amount of training you had to do, or with, had you sort of expected it? And how did the body cope when you when you made that move? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't really know too much on to what on what to expect, but I knew that I was you know in the system now, and it was going to yeah. be a full time job that was going to require you know all of my focus um, and everything that I kind of had. But you know, it was a little bit of shock to the system in the first coming weeks, but I think. Um, the club does so well when they recruit, you know, young blokes to come into this, come into the team and come into the system. They cater to the training and um, the loads that are put on a lot of the young guys to come into the team. And so, yeah, they looked after me and a lot of the under, other young blokes at the time. So they made the transition really smooth. And so it wasn't something that overly affected me or, you know, made me, you know, overly... Uh, exerted so it was yeah. really good in that aspect but yeah uh, it was definitely a surprise on how consistently uh, AFL players trained and um, how much was expected of them um, but it was something that I was more than willing to cop on the chin and um, embrace so it was good yeah I mean given the opportunity you sort of yeah you make the most yeah. of it don't you mm. Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge move. And then you get to the Giants and you're drafted as an intercepting defender and you look at you look at our defenders who are smashing it at the moment. We've got Sammy yeah. Taylor and Jack Buckley and Connor Ryden and mm. Nicky Haynes and um Harry Himmelberg. Um yeah. and so and then you've got Phil Davis as well. I'm sure he was he's had quite a um influence on on your development yeah 100 you know phil is one of those blokes that you know when you walk into the club he's extremely welcoming and i remember when i got drafted he was one of the first people to call me uh, and congratulate me on becoming a giant um, i facetimed him and um, it was a pretty surreal moment obviously because in adelaide you tend to hear a lot about the giants at times um, especially when they come to adelaide over because you know they used to have such a good record there so i remember when he called me i was quite surprised but you know, he was just someone who was easy to talk to straight off the bat. And I remember when I got to the club, you know, preseason got underway. You know, he was there. He was there early. And, you know, he showed me a lot of the ropes and, 
really grateful to him at that time. And I'm still very grateful to him to this day. And he's profound effect on me and not only me, but um, the other boys at the club, a lot of the younger guys there. And um, just the impact that he's had overall on the football club is pretty unreal and something I think um, everyone cherishes and an aspect of him that will forever be cherished and left at a football club. So, Yeah. No, yeah. So last year you, you, you start out, you've got um, obviously Leon Cameron is the main coach uh, and then yeah. you have, uh, Spike comes in replacing Leon, um, and then yeah. we, then we have obviously Kins uh, Adam at the end of the year take take the job. What was it like for you, um, just uh, you know, as a as a new recruit um, going through that, and 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 also what was it like getting the call up from Spike to um, play your first game? Yeah, it was pretty um, interesting. Yeah, to to say the least. I think when you get into the AFL system, it's such a dream that you tend to forget that you know. It's a, it's a business world and um, things happen, changes occur. And obviously it was one of those years where a lot of changes were occurring at a very fast and rapid pace. Um, and so I think at the time for myself as a young player, I was just trying to more so than anything, focus on um, the things that I could control and playing footy. But um, I remember, you know, Leon stepping down as coach and then Spike stepping up. I think what helped was the fact that Spike had already been around and, you know, he was someone that, you know, I was already, I already had connected to. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, I think they were both pretty amazing people. And when Spike um, called me up to play my first game, I remember it was just, it was done in such an amazing way, um, a way that I would have never expected. And for them to fly out my whole family, all my siblings yeah. uh, for my debut was, yeah, a moment that I definitely will cherish forever and um, something that left an imprint on me um, about the Giants and about, you know, the family environment that is the football club. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty thankful to um, Spike uh, and the way he sorted that out. Yeah, I mean, we cherish it as onlookers. We, you know, we love seeing that aspect of the club and how much value they put on families. Because, I mean, so many of you guys are moving, you know, long distance from your families and um, mm. to, to get the fam- you know, to get the families up for the debuts and also for other games that you play. It's it's really good to yeah. see good to see from the club. Now, question: Have you had your uncles that introduced you to the to footy? Have they been to any games? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, cool. They actually came up uh, for the first round, the first round last year. Yep. When we were first in Sydney, and yeah, they were all there, and awesome. they loved the experience, and yeah, it was great for them to you know see what. It's like to be in and um, amongst the action, which is good. Yeah, cool. And uh, mate, you... yeah. So uh, I was just going to say, so you played you played four games in your um, first first AFL year, and mm. the first the first one was a bit of a drubbing um, yeah. against the Swans. Uh, what what do you reckon your best game was out of those four? Um, I reckon the most memorable game was. Definitely my first win against um, SNN the week after. Yeah. But then I think um, the last two games against the Doggies and then against Frio were probably my two best. I don't really know which one was my best out of the two, but those two were probably my best games for the year, which was um, quite positive and, yeah, games that I was really happy about. No, it, was a, it was a solid, solid, yeah, finish to the to the season for you for sure. And how do you how do you how do you rate this year? How do you think you've gone this year? You've obviously played quite a few games for the for the VFL team, um, and you've you've you obviously got an injury at the moment, which you, has meant you can't play 
I think you've been ruled out for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, yeah give, give us give us your assessment of how this year's panned out for you, Luke. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a brutal year for me, to be honest. Um, has, hasn't been the best year in terms of luck on the injury front, but I think it's been overall positive in the fact that I've slowly started to identify myself as you know a player who can do more than just intercept. And I think um, the new coaching system, um, the new roles that we have at the football club and just the new environment that um, has been put in place for all the players, um, young and mature, um, has been really good. And I think with the games that I've played at VFL level this year, there's there were definitely some positives that uh, I took out of them. And um, I think I'll definitely be building on those aspects of my game, especially in the preseason leading on to next year. And I think one of the more positive things, though, however, was the fact that, you know, I was able to have a really good preseason leading up into this year and then was very close to playing round one. Um, I was pretty uh, unfortunate to obviously get struck with an injury um, to my quad. But uh, nevertheless, you know, I think I've grown despite the low amount of games that I've played this year. Uh, in terms of how I expect myself to continue to develop and how I continue to you know grow as a player and as an individual, which is which is positive. Yeah, yeah. I've just I've loved watching the um the, the development of the younger players and um the the guys that have played less than fifty games. I think quite a few times this year we've played maybe seven or eight players who have all been under 50 games and it's just been awesome and that's what I've loved I've loved watching this year and um, obviously the the game style and us getting a few wins um you were drafted as a intercept defender is there any chance you could see yourself playing a different role perhaps like a a tall forward that can pinch hit in the ruck in sort of the uh Lockie Keefe's type role um yeah there's definitely a potentiality I think I'm one of those players that's um very capable of playing different roles and different positions. And obviously I love playing down back, uh, intercepting and defending. You know, I think defending is an attribute of mine that's extremely strong because of my competitive nature and not wanting to be beat. And, you know, I love that aspect, but I'm also another individual who, you know, regardless of, you know, where I'm put, I'm more than willing to put my hand up and, um, you know, do my best. Uh, whether it's playing forward, whether it's playing rock, wherever the case may be, you know, if I have a role that's been assigned to me, uh, you know, I'm more than willing to do that and practice and, you know, become good at that craft. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very, very much so mobile and can really play wherever I'm needed. So yeah, but at the moment, um, I'm developing continuously as a defender and yeah, I'll keep doing that until I'm assigned something different. And mate, um, in terms of life outside of the footy club, what do you get up to? You got any hobbies you pursuing in Sydney? And you get to the beach at all, or, or yeah. um, what do you yeah. what do you get up to? Yeah, I love going to the beach. I think especially during the summer. Um, oh yeah, weather here the weather here is typically quite beautiful. Um, in comparison to you know the likes of Adelaide or Melbourne, which is sure. um, a privilege and something that a lot of the boys tend to enjoy and get on the surf. Like I can't surf. Yeah, but I go down to the beach and you know swim in the water and whatnot. Um, you know. A lot of the other boys also love playing golf. Sometimes I go for a swing. Yeah. Um, I can't really, you know, I don't really do too well there neither, but, you know, <laughs> I can go practice. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. And are you, are you in, um, are you in a shared house with any other players or are you in an apartment? Yeah. Or? Yes. I live with Sam Taylor, actually. Oh, um, cool. So he's my Wow. The octopus. Yeah. Now we're a big, big fan of Sammy Taylor. He's a, he's a character. He'd be, uh, 
yeah. be a pretty competitive household then. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, not really, not really. I think we're both actually pretty chilled and pretty relaxed. So we tend to just kick back, really, and um, relax. You know, you wouldn't think of it, but yeah, he's a pretty cool, calm operator around the house. Um, you know, he doesn't really get too rowdy or anything, which is good. Um, but yeah. And have you got any? Um, have you got any other uh, family members in Sydney, or are they all back in Adelaide? Um, yeah, I do have a few family members here in Sydney, but yep. you know, they're family members that I've had for a long time, but I haven't really gotten the opportunity to necessarily see them too often and yep. be around them too often. But yeah, I definitely have family here. Yeah, nice. And I noticed last year you had a bit of a program going with one of the schools. Has that have you has that continued this year? The learning with Lek. Yeah, yeah. So learning with Lek has continued, and um, it's something that I definitely want to continue for the coming years and. Yeah. Um. Something that I want to continue working on, and I think it's a really good cause, and something the club has done really well to, you know, implant um, into my schedules, and um, something that definitely keeps me uh, motivated uh, outside of footy, which is something I'm very grateful for, for sure. Yeah. Cool. And that's about racism and bullying or something, is it? Or- yeah. 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 So we go to the schools and we talk to the kids, um, and just basically share stories and communicate to them and teach them different ways to deal with racism, deal with bullying and um, just ways to more so manoeuvre around those type of, you know, situations and um, how to best handle those situations so they don't result in um, anything more negative than um, what already is. So, yeah. Tell us, like, what's an an average day look like for you at the moment? You're obviously doing um, recovery, rehab. Mm. Yeah, what what's that look like? You're in a, in at um, the Giants facilities and and try and doing all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So on average day, usually starts um, wake up around six thirty, uh, drive down to the club, uh, get there around seven, and then um, we usually you know have to sign in and um, just do our regular morning checks and then see our physios and whatnot and go through our day really our, our daily plans and that usually consists of knowing whether or not you have cross training or if you have. Um, some touch on the on the field before the training starts, you know, before the other AFL boys who are playing start. Um, and then, you know, when gym starts for you, uh, when you have lunch and stuff of that nature. Uh, so we usually go through all that. And then we'll have, you know, team meetings. Um, and these meetings usually consist of, you know, what, what the day is looking like, what the training sessions look like for the main group. Um, and that's usually early in the morning around, you know, eight. Sometimes it can be nine, just depending on the schedule itself and then yeah the boys typically run out get warmed up get get strapped all that um and then they start their session and um, us rehab boys uh, particularly me uh we usually just do some touch and then i might have a cross training session that i'll do for about 30 minutes finish that up go into my upper body weights um and then typically um, i'll probably have a lower body session as well during that day and yeah yeah and do you uh, eat like a absolute horse like like imagine that amount of training you must be trying to get the yeah. calorie calories in yeah, well, um, yeah, I tend to eat quite a bit. I, I really struggle to put on weight, so I kind of have to eat quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the club does well in obviously providing the players with lunch and stuff of that nature, yeah. which is good. But, yeah, it's, it's, you typically tend to get quite um, tired and uh, angry if you don't get enough food. <laughs> so, yeah, I try to keep on top of that. Um, but, yeah, no, it's good. So you are um, you, you seem like a real a really aspirational type guy and pretty confident in your ability. What what do you think a successful year in 2024 would look like for you? For you? Um, I think personally for me, it's just getting out on the park and just playing um, back-to-back games consistently. You know, I think um, if I can get myself to playing, you know, back-to-back games, then, you know, anything's possible for myself. And I know 
that, you know, one of the hardest things to do is to, you know, crack into the side, especially as a defender. Um, so, you know, over the summer, obviously, I'm going to be doing a lot of work in um, just getting my body right, getting fit, getting healthy, um, and then be able to really hit preseason, which is something that I'm lo really looking forward to, just hitting preseason, um, getting through preseason. And then from there, yeah, just essentially just getting out of the park and playing consistently. And I think, you know, a good year for me would be playing, you know, a large amount of games. I'm just getting those games under my belt because, you know, I think um, especially with last year and the way I finished the season with the four games, you know, each and every game I was building more and more confidence. And I think that um, showed in the way that I was playing and um, some of the things that I was able to do. But, you know, I know personally, you know, I haven't really been able to do exactly what I know I'm capable of doing. Um, and I think there's still a big, big mountain to climb and there's still some very good things to be done. So, yeah, I can't wait to, you know, get into cracking the next year. Yeah, we can't wait either, mate. I mean, it's 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 kind of a blessing for us as fans having such a competitive, you know, there's, there's a lot of competition for spots at the Giants at the moment. And uh, the, the, the with the talent that we've got, like yourself, who are, you know, up and coming, it's, it's an incredibly exciting time to be a fan of the Giants. And, yeah, I can just say, I can just say on behalf of our little podcast, and I'm sure all the fans that, that we can't wait to see more of you in action because the little snippets we have seen have been very very exciting. So, yeah, well, I really hope you have a yeah great off season and um and achieve what you want to want to over the off season and can uh, rip rip into it early in the year. Thank you, appreciate that. I'll be good. Yeah, I just I just want to say come. Uh... Come the off season, um, you have match simulation, and uh, you're down back, and you get to choose. Say you get to choose one forward. You you say I'm going for you, mate. I'm coming for you. Who are you taking? Uh, that's actually a really good question. I like that question a lot because you know we have some forwards that can do really well. So we have obviously the likes of Riccardi. Uh, we have Hogan. You know we have Cads who's up and coming. Um, so yeah. no, I think Cads would be. A problem and some someone to kind of deal with in the next coming years but uh, I love definitely playing on hoax for example um, he's he's a really special forward I think um, he can be underrated sometimes but his ability to you know do some of the things he does and just off the back of the game that he played recently um, with the nine goals that he kicked um, he's, he's he's a very talented individual and yeah I love playing on him he's a very hard task um, but I definitely enjoy that competitive aspect to it um, so yeah, I choose him, but in, in all respect, um, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be fussed on picking either, you know, Jay Ricardi, the likes of Cads. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to sit on top of them, maybe. Yeah, great answer. Who did you have to? Sorry, out of the four games you did play, um, yeah. who was the toughest matchup that you had? Um, I think one of the toughest matchups that I had was Aaron Norn. Aaron Norn was, oh, was yeah. probably one of the ones that I had but yeah. um, I reckon the reason why he was tough was because every time he jumped you had to make sure you jumped with him because if you didn't jump with him he was marking it and so yeah. Um, yeah he was definitely someone who yeah I found a little bit tough but I enjoyed it 100% so yeah. hopefully I get the opportunity to play on him some more um, in the coming years and um, I would definitely want to start some some battles so it'd be good yeah I've heard Sammy Taylor talk about the battles with Norton and I think mm. I think they used to might have even played together back in WA. Yeah, WA, yeah. Yeah. yeah so he um yeah, he really respects him as a player and his ability. And yeah, he's always he always seems to play well against us, um, Norton. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I can't wait can't wait to see you take him on again. That'll be that'll be awesome. 
Mm. And sure. I heard um, I heard Sammy uh, Jeremy Cameron. The only reason he left because he didn't want want to stand Sammy <laughs> Taylor in preseason anymore. I, don't, I haven't heard much about that, but yeah, that that'd be a pretty interesting take to be honest. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, we really appreciate you jumping on the um, Zoom with us, uh, Lake, and yeah, big thanks to Alison for for teeing this up. And yeah, we we actually had a chat with the milkman, uh, Jace Gilby, uh, a few weeks yeah. ago, and um, that was very very funny and entertaining, and, yeah. and and just a good insight into you know some of the, some of these guys that haven't done you know hundreds of interviews like the Cogs and the Tobies. Yeah, and we really really appreciate getting a bit of an insight and uh, learning learning about our team and um uh yeah i absolutely love how you've jumped on and uh, and shared your story with us so thanks very much like pleasure pleasure my pleasure thank you awesome mate amazing right i will we'll wrap things up and uh thanks very much like like i said at the start of the podcast we had two treats for you tonight and we've we've spoken to lek second treat is jesse's tribute song by Ragnar. Ragnar, what have we got? What do you got for us? Well, it's a little song I slapped together. I had to pay homage to the big fella kicking nine goals. Uh, did Jeremy Cameron ever kick nine goals for us? No. Is that the most most for a giant? Yeah. So it 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 deserved a song. So I had slapped it together. So I've rewritten Wonderwall to power forward and uh he's our power forward. So Here's to you, Jesse Hogan, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening, Squinners. We hope you enjoyed that uh, that interview with Lek. Never surrender. Never surrender. Never surrender. Cheers, lads. Thank thanks, Lek. That that was amazing. Saturday was the day Hogan showed what he could do. By now we should have realized that he has hands of glue I don't believe that anybody feels the way we do about you now Eighteen rumors circling the demon flame in his heart blew out Twenty twenty just has shown the door when the doctor started having doubts I don't believe that anybody feels the way we do about you now Now it's leading patterns we go forward and wind in And the bright lights of the beanstalk are blinded There are many things that we would like to sing to you on mommy's couch Said Jesse, we know you're gonna be amazing. And after all, you're a powerful. Saturday was the day Jesse kicked nine on you By now you should be so proud of the plan you've turned into 
I don't believe that anybody feels the way we do about you now. Now we start to step into goals compelling. And the cold figure wearing 23 is rising. There are many words that we would like to sing to you on Mommy's couch. Said Jesse, you're always gonna be amazing. And after all, you're a powerful. Said Jesse, said Jesse. You're always gonna be amazing And after all You're a powerful <laughs> Let's do that again. Okay, me, then Lake. Oh, good. Okay, me, right. Lake, me, Lake Rags. <laughs>